reading is from Genesis 26, beginning at verse 34, going through to 27, verse 29. If you need a, if you're using the Pew Bibles, it's on page 28. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of Beeri the Hittite, and also Basmath, daughter of Elon the Hittite. They were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for his elder son, Esau, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats, so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat, so he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of her elder son Esau, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goatskins. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son, he answered, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat, so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought some wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes and blessed him, he blessed him and said, 
Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May, may God give you heaven's dew and earth's riches, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. We will hear the second part of that reading in a little while, but before that, we're going to pray together, and Chloe is going to come. So, continuing on from uh, Genesis chapter 27, verse 30, reading through to 28, verse 9. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, please sit up and eat some of my game, so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and bought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright And now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants. And I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her elder son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. 
Why should I lose both of you in one day? (coughs) Then Rebecca said to Isaac, I am disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. Then he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Padan Aram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May Almighty God bless and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob on his way and he went to Padan Aram to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Armenian, the brother of Rebekah, who was the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now Esau learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and had sent him to Padan Aram to take a wife from there and that when he blessed him, he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman and that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother had gone to Padan Aram. Esau then realized how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father Isaac. So he went to Ishmael and married Mahalah, the sister of Nebath, and daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham, in addition to the wives he already had. Great, there's a set of pencils here, which is just what you need for that last minute note. Um, let me pray as well. Heavenly Father, I pray that my spoken word will be true to your written word, uh, and I pray that they will lead us to greater knowledge and a desire to follow uh, your living word, the Lord Jesus. Dysfunctional. What is the word that you think of next when I say dysfunctional? Well, for me, it's family. Dysfunctional family. And then perhaps because of the context in which I first learnt the word dysfunctional, I then think of the royal family. Of course, the royal family is generally held today in good esteem. But I'm thinking of the time when the marriage of Prince Charles and Princess Diana was falling apart. And the same was happening to the marriage of Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson and had already happened to the marriage of Princess Anne and Captain Mark Phillips. Dysfunctional. However, the House of Windsor is by no means the only family ever to have been dysfunctional, not only the only family to have had failed marriages, and I don't suppose it will be the last. And we probably all know people today who are in marriages which, whilst we might not call them dysfunctional, 
we can see are unhappy. And indeed, uh, some of us may have experienced that sort of thing ourselves. And this evening's reading is all about a dysfunctional family, the family of Mr. and Mrs. Bar Abraham, we might call them, better known as Isaac, Rebecca, and their offspring Esau and Jacob. And it's good that we have a dysfunctional family at this level uh, in the Bible because it means that we can learn something about God's plan uh, for families. Uh, um, Put simply, we can learn from their mistakes. Let me put out some questions as we begin to look at this. And these are questions for all of us, whether we're daughters or sons, Uh, whether we're an only child or a sibling, whether we're wives or husbands, cohabitees, single, heterosexual, or same-sex attracted. Here are the questions. There are five of them. If you are somebody's child, and that's all of us, if you are somebody's child, do you get on with your siblings? If you're married, are you close to your spouse? If you're a parent, do you prefer one child over another? Are you impetuous, secretive, deceptive, principled, or weak? And do you care about norms? So let's think about Isaac, Rebecca, Esau, and Jacob. This passage covers the significant events of that family's life, but there were some others, and I'm just going to recap a bit on events which, uh, if you've been coming regularly this evening, um, you will have already heard about in previous sermons. So Rebecca and Isaac got married after a slightly elaborate proxy courtship, which we would find rather strange today, but it ensured that Isaac married a girl of whom the Lord approved. She married him, became his wife, and he loved her. Uh, And the Bible tells us that he was comforted after his mother's death, um, which tells you something about the sensitivity of of Isaac. Isaac was 40 when he and Rebecca got married, but it was another 20 years before Rebecca gave birth to those twins, Esau and Jacob, who came out in that order, Esau then Jacob. Esau was the elder. She had had an uncomfortable pregnancy, and when she prayed to the Lord to ask what was going on, she learned that the jostling in her womb was because her twins would be two separate nations. And importantly for this evening, uh, that the elder would serve the younger. So Esau grew up to be a hunter, much to his father's satisfaction, as Isaac liked to eat game. And Isaac loved Esau. Jacob, he stayed at home. We don't read much of what he did, but he was loved by Rebekah. In other words, the parents each had a favorite. Esau gets back from an evidently long and arduous hunt, and he's absolutely famished. Jacob, conveniently, is preparing a stew. Esau likes the look of it, and perhaps rather brusquely he says, give me some of that. And then Jacob does something which we would find extraordinary. Jacob strikes this bargain with Esau, and it's a really, really good bargain for Jacob. In return for a bowl of the stew, 
which uh, Simon pointed out, uh, turns out to be vegetarian and not really what you'd expect from the hunting, shooting, fishing Esau to want. In return for a bowl of stew, he gets, uh, Jacob gets Esau to give him his birthright. Okay, time out. What's a birthright? <clears throat> so a birthright is the right of the eldest child to the greater share of the father's estate when the father dies. And what's Esau's reaction to Jacob's proposal, the bargain? Yeah, whatever. I'm so hungry I could die. Just give me some food. Birthright's no use to me. Esau is cavalier with property. I think it'd be fair to say he's a bit lazy. It's difficult to believe that this skillful hunter couldn't have knocked up a spot of supper for himself. He's too busy swaggering around, and he just couldn't care about his birthright, and he doesn't think it through. Let's think about Jacob. He is completely opportunistic. In this, he evidently works on impulse to swindle his foolish brother. Uh, It's obviously an unfair bargain. It's what we lawyers would call an unconscionable bargain. And maybe the two of them don't get on already. I don't know. But Jacob doesn't think it through either. And if we step back now to the opening of our reading, we read that Esau is cavalier in his personal life as well. Uh, Esau rejects the norms and he marries Hittite or Canaanite women. You can read about Canaanites uh, elsewhere, but they really were not good news. Uh, And uh, Esau marries two wives. Those wives become a source of grief, we read, to Isaac and to Rebekah. And unlike the arrangements which were made for uh, his father Isaac, Esau takes no care to marry a woman who follows the Lord. And we might also add that unlike Isaac's father Abraham, Isaac does not appear to have taken any steps to introduce his son to a suitable person to be his wife. So let's focus now on Isaac. Uh, He arranges this secret ceremony with Esau to pass on the birthright. And this is a a formal deathbed, or if you like, last will and testament uh, type ceremony, which uh, at that time required witnesses. If you write a will, you have to have witnesses to your will, and it's a, you know, think of it in, in those terms as formality here. But because uh, Isaac is going to defy both the prophesy which Rebekah had received about the elder sibling serving the younger, and also he's going to defy the sale of the birthright, Isaac has to do it in secret. He's trying to favor the son who is his favorite. He's an old man now, he's blind, uh, but his hearing's okay. And he detects Jacob's voice, not Esau's voice. Surprisingly, the goatskin disguise fools him. And at this point, uh, we must all be saying, gosh, Esau must have been really hairy. Um, <clears throat> Isaac eats this meal which Rebekah has prepared from young farm goats, but in the style that Isaac likes. And there really ought to have been another clue there for Isaac, you know. I can tell you, 
wild animal tastes completely different from a young farm animal, even of the same species. In a fortnight's time, Sarah and I will be in Provence, where the hunters on Sundays and Wednesdays bring home the wild boar which they have succeeded in shooting. The freezers of the hunters and their wives overflow with wild boar meat. Uh, and their wives, I, can I say, I've never ever seen a huntress uh, in Provence. It's always the blokes that go out. Um, that the, Their wives are often pleased to offload some of this stuff onto their friends. And Sarah and I have, have um, relatively frequently been um, recipients of this uh, largesse. And I can tell you, first of all, first of all wild boar meat tastes fantastic. It is, it's, it's, um, it's, it's kind of, sort of gamey, all the stuff which, which, you, which you would imagine. But it's completely different from pork that you buy in the supermarket, which comes from the farmed animals. Uh, I don't know why Isaac was taken in by the young farm goat. But he eats the dinner. It's washed down with the wine, we're told. But he's still, he's not quite convinced. He's still doubtful. And he says to Jacob, are you really my son, Esau? And Jacob lies. But it's the smell of the goat skin and the smell of the clothes which Jacob is wearing uh, which leads Isaac to decide that he actually has Esau before him. And he blesses Jacob as though Jacob is his eldest son. Uh, and to make the blessing, the consequences of the blessing even stronger, he prays that Jacob will be the Lord of his brothers, it's plural in the Bible, who will bow down to him. Well, then what happens? Esau comes back, and Isaac's secret ceremony immediately backfires on him. His favoritism of Esau and his, his own rejection uh, of the norms uh, brings grief to Isaac and to Esau. Let's continue our roundup of the family, and let's get time to look at Rebecca now. As a result of her deception, Esau has threatened to kill Jacob his brother. Rebecca convinces Jacob to flee to her brother, Laban, for a little while, she says. And she throws a tantrum, telling Isaac that Esau's Hittite Canaanite wives disgust her, which is probably true, but it's a bit over the top, isn't it? And that if Jacob were to marry a Hittite Canaanite girl, her life just wouldn't be worth living. Just sounds a bit histrionic, doesn't it? And of course, it's not the real reason. The real reason uh, is because Esau is on the warpath uh, against Jacob. And she persuades Isaac to let Jacob go. And you know, that seems to be the last she sees of Jacob. It's the last that she sees of her favorite. And that can't be a happy outcome for her. Well, you'll have to wait for later sermons in this series to see how it turns out for Jacob. Spoiler alert, he's going to be away for the next 20 years, and his fiancée's sister is substituted for his fiancée at his wedding. But keeping to tonight's reading, we can see that Jacob is a mere pawn in his mother's hands. When she explained the whole plot to him, his only objection was practical. My brother Esau is a hairy man, and while I have smooth skin, if my father finds out, he's going to curse me rather than bless me. 
Jacob's completely short on principles. He doesn't say, no, no, this is just deception. I can't do it. He says, if we go through this, it's going to be all sort of tears, which is true. It does turn out to be tears, but it's not the, 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 the principled approach. And then what happens next? Well, it rounded off a bit. This episode of the Bar-Abraham family history began, didn't it, with Esau's two marriages. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith's daughter of Biri Hittite and Basimath's daughter of Elon the Hittite. And this evening's account is bookended uh, with his bad marriage choices. Uh, at the, as the episode ends, Esau observes that Jacob had obeyed his parents and gone to Laban ostensibly to find a wife, or just to find a wife. And, and Esau realizes at this point just how much his Hittite Canaanite wives are displeasing to his parents. And he decides to do something about it. Great! What does he do? He goes to his father's half-brother, Ishmael. Remember Ishmael? Ishmael and Isaac, half-brother and, and half-brothers. And Esau finds one of Ishmael's daughters, Mahalath, and marries her. Now, at first sight, this appears to be wise. He's kind of keeping things in the family. We all know each other. But, you know, it cannot possibly be a good idea. If you read back in Genesis 25, we read that the rest of Mahalath's siblings and all, their, all of the descendants of Ishmael lived in hostility towards all the tribes related to them. So they were not getting on with Isaac at all. And all that Esau has done is to bring yet more tensions into his own family. And now, if you can bear the agony, really, let's look at the relationship between Isaac and Rebekah. Sixty years into their marriage, things are not looking very good. From loving and comforting each other beautifully at the beginning of their marriage, these two have drifted apart to the point at which not only does each have a favorite uh, from amongst their children, but also they're scheming against each other to procure advantages for their favorites. So what do we conclude from all this? How is it relevant to us? Many of the conclusions that we can take away and apply to ourselves come from norms and from the approach which is taken to them by Isaac and Rebekah and Esau and Jacob. Now, let me make it clear, I'm not saying that we should follow norms, I say norms, not laws, norms, slavishly. But I do think that the Bar-Abraham family and we would benefit from understanding why the norms are there and why they might be good and thinking about the advantages which flow from them. And I think we must also recognize that observing the norms is not actually the whole means to contentment, but failing to observe the norms probably does not help us uh, in contentment. And... Before I go on sort of further about sort of drawing lessons from this, I just want to recognize that we, are, we all fall short on, on this stuff. Um, and we get things wrong and we displease the Lord. Um, but the Lord Jesus Christ came to rec- well, recognizing that and so that we need to recognize that he came 
to to pay the penalty for us uh, not observing uh, the laws, not observing the norms uh, of his father. There's one norm which we can immediately derive from this passage, and from this passage alone. I don't think actually it's explicitly set out earlier. The account in the Bible, the account of the life of the Bar Abraham family is a great antidote to favoritism for children, favoritism of children. Uh, And I think this is something which we need to recognize. We will all, yes, we recognize that we love our children in different ways, and each child is different. and as you know, we have Sarah and I. We have um, three children, uh, and there are different things to like about each of them. And I can tell you there are different things about each of them which are irritating. Um, but uh, I love each of them desperately, and longingly, and differently. And I hope I do it equally, and and don't favour one over the other. Uh, let's turn to the norms for marriage. Um, and those, uh, I'm going to take the summary of them, really, which we'll find in the Book of Common Prayer. And I'm confident about taking them from there because it takes them in turn from the, from the Bible. Norm one, which we find in the BCP, is that marriage is for the procreation of children and for their nurture in the fear of the Lord. We might rephrase that last part as nurturing children to be more like Jesus every day or to lead a godly, disciplined, and sober life, or to live lives wholly renewed by God's Spirit. Well, um, eventually, after 20 years of waiting, Rebecca and Isaac were blessed uh, with uh, a pregnancy, and Esau and Jacob, they did the procreate bit. But it seems to me that we could legitimately conclude that they failed to nurture Nurture is more than providing food. It's nurture in the fear of the Lord, which the BCP sets out. So nurture with an understanding of God's purposes for us. Uh, And that's the area in which Isaac and Rebecca fell short. So for us, if we're parents, the question is, how are we managing on this one? Do we nurture uh, in the fear of the Lord? And potential parents, um, I would ask you, I'd pray for you to keep it in the forefront as well. Um, And you don't have to do it on your own. There are resources around you. There are resources around us. Just here in this church, we've got AS Kids, uh, all the work which goes on there in all of its forms. There are Christian camps. When kids go to university, there are Christian unions, the UCCF, and so on. There's a whole stack of resources. Draw on those. In the Bar Abraham family, we see that Jacob is deceptive and unprincipled. Esau is careless in financial matters. That's his birthright. He marries two unbelievers, and he then takes a third wife from the part of the family in which he's in conflict with his own. They do not seem to have cottoned on to leading a godly life. The second norm from the Book of Common Prayer is that marriage is a remedy against sin and to avoid fornication. Now, that may sound like a rather downbeat way of expressing something which is really rather wonderful. God's plan for marriage 
however, is that it is an exclusive relationship. God's plan is that it's a heterosexual marriage, which is the place for sexual relations. That's a place which can be free from competition, free from comparison, free from fear, and free from jealousy. A place not just for sexual relations, but for sexual joy. And we marry forsaking all others. And Master Esau's bigamy and polygamy was not and is not in God's plan for marriage. How are we doing, all of us, on that one? The third norm is that marriage is for mutual companionship, uh, for help and comfort that the one spouse ought to have for the other. And again, Isaac and Rebecca, who have drifted apart from each other, have failed on this standard. But if you are married, how are you getting on with this one? Might you be drifting? Should you be paying more attention to your spouse's needs? Worries? Excitements? Elations? Might Isaac not have been so naive had he and Rebecca been closer and been looking after each other. So may I leave you with those questions which I asked at the outset. If you're somebody's child, do you get on with your siblings? If you're married, are you close to your spouse? If you're a parent, do you have preferences or favourites amongst your children? Are you impetuous, secretive, deceptive, principled or weak? And do you care about the norms? I'm going to draw this to a close now, um, and I'm going to ask you to join in a prayer with me. Dear God, we ask that we might learn from the troubles of Isaac and Rebecca and Esau and Jacob. We rejoice, Lord, that despite his faults, you used Jacob to build your chosen people. We ask that you would help us to use the mistakes of his of uh, dis, his dysfunctional family to be godly family members ourselves and we ask that you would despite the errors we have made and will make forgive us and use us to your praise and glory amen <clears throat>